Let's go in our Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 16 tonight. And as we look towards the Lord's Supper and remembering what He has done for us, I want us to look into the pages of Scripture tonight with this thought, that God gave you every single narrative in Scripture for your instruction and for your benefit. Not only this, but as you look at even the darkest narratives in Scripture, as this one will be, we see the gospel. We see the glory of the gospel. And God has designed it that way, that even in, even in some of the things that we would just consider maybe stories or things of the past or, or men that even, you know, men that have, have lived their lives, God is, is using every page of Scripture to communicate the gospel to us, the message of, of, his, of, his, of his gospel. And David right now in his life, He's been run out of the kingdom by Absalom, and they've crossed over that brook Kidron. And if you'll remember last week, we looked as the priest Zadok, uh, Zadok, the the priest and his sons have the Ark of the Covenant, and they set it down there waiting for everyone else to pass across. And David says, no, no, you need to take the Ark back. Go back. Uh, You are a, a priest, a prophet. You're going to be protected by the Lord, and I don't need the ark of God here with me to have his presence with me. I'm I'm banking on God's faithfulness and his mercy that if he wants me back in the kingdom, that I will be back there. And then we saw at the end of that chapter, chapter 15, that humble man, Hushai, and how he came to David in that humble state. One of David's faithful counselors, an older man at this time in his life, and David tells him, you're going to do me more good going back and defeating the council of Ahithophel and trusting the Lord that way than you would be with me. And now we come to chapter 16 where three things are going to happen to David. And as we see David bear these things patiently, I want us to be thinking about the gospel and how Christ bore even these three same things patiently for you and for me so that the, the work of the gospel, the work of redemption could be finished and we could be saved. So let's pray and then we'll dive right in. Let's pray. Lord, I, I ask that you would uh, work on us tonight and as we look at your word, Lord, I pray that you would prick our hearts and, and show us, Lord, exactly once again what you've done for us. And as we partake of, of the, the, the bread and the juice tonight and remember your broken body and your blood for us lord i pray that you would you would convict us of sin where it needs be and lord you draw us back to yourself draw us to your love tonight in jesus name i pray amen let's look at verse one together of of chapter 16 and when david was a little past the top of the hill behold ziba the servant of mephibosheth met him with a couple of asses saddled, and upon them two hundred loaves of bread, and a hundred bunches of raisins, and a hundred of summer fruits, and a bottle of wine. And the king said unto Ziba, What meanest thou by these? And Ziba said, The asses be for the king's household to ride on, and the bread and the summer fruit be for the young men to eat, and the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink. And the king said, Where is thy master's son? 
And, the, and Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he abideth at Jerusalem. For he said, Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my, my father. And then said the king to Ziba, Behold, thine are all that pertained unto Mephibosheth. And Ziba said, I humbly beseech thee that I may find grace in thy sight, O Lord my king. And at this point, at this time in David's life, Ziba comes and blesses him, so it seems, with all of these good things. But if you remember, Ziba was not happy. Uh, back uh, earlier in the, in the book, I believe chapter 10, where he takes Mephibosheth, uh, and he wants to do this kindness to, to, to Saul's only remaining part of his line, and he makes Ziba, who was Saul's servant, now servant to his master's son. And, and gives Mephibosheth all of this, of this land. He was not happy. He had spent his entire life serving Saul, probably wanted to retire. I don't know. I don't know what retirement looked like back then. But here, he's now made servant to his master's son for the rest of his life. And he has always, always hated it. And that's going to be revealed in, in future chapters as well, as we'll see in Ziba's life. And this report here, G. Campbell Morgan says this report from Ziba hurt David because in this crisis, the last thing he needed to hear was that another friend had turned against him. Ziba was utterly despicable and more so because at the moment, at the moment, the sorrow he brought to the heart of David was his feeling that his kindness towards Mephibosheth was ill requited. And here he thought that and all of that good that I did to Mephibosheth, he's now just turning back and saying, "Nope, that I didn't. I didn't care anything about that. This, uh, I, 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 I am going to. I'm going to do my own thing." And here we see, firstly, that David was deceived. David was deceived. Here, Ziba chooses to deceive David. All of these provisions, he lies about the intentions of Mephibosheth, and in doing so. He doesn't just gain David's trust. He gains a reward, a very big reward from David. Look, look there at the, at the uh, end of verse 3. Uh, sorry, verse, verse 4. Then said the king to Ziba, Behold, thine are all that pertained unto Mephibosheth. This is what he expected to get back then. All of the land, all of the servants, all of it was now given to him, granted to him for his seemingly loyal message to David. But it was anything but loyal. It was trickery. It was deception. It was evil that Ziba had conjured up in his heart and poured out on the king of Israel so that he could get what he wanted. He could get the land that was given to Saul's son. And while David doesn't know it yet, he was deceived. And we'll see at the, end of, at the end of this time, how Jesus himself allowed himself to be deceived. Look at verse 5. We see the second thing that David was cursed at. And when King David came to Bahiram, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David and all, his serv- and all the servants of the king, of King David, and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei, said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. 
The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom to the hand, into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Then said Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, unto the king, Remember, this is David's nephew now speaking, a brother of Joab. Then said Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. And the king said, What have I to do with ye, you sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. Who shall, who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou, hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth from of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone, and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction, and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along the hill's side over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. And the king and all the people that were with him came weary and refreshed themselves there. Let's stop for a moment there as we come to the end of that second thing that happens in David's life. You see, you would have to have been a real fool to come out and start casting stones at David and his mighty men. Have you ever read about David's mighty men? The ones that, uh, who, who slew 800 people with a spear, the one who stood against a host of 10,000 as, as they, were, they were coming to a field of lentils. We'll get to that in the, in the end of 2 Samuel. But you would Shimei was not the brightest light bulb in the box, okay? As he's coming, he's cursing. And here, cursing is not me, it's meaning to speak evil of. He's, he's swearing and cursing. It's not that he's casting a spell or any witchcraft, but, but that this, what he was doing, was just as evil. Cursing, cursing David. He calls him a bloody man, one who was a man of war, which was true. But he, here he also calls him a, a, a man of Belial. Do you know who else was called sons of Belial? Back in, in, the, in the first part of first, uh, first Samuel there, the sons of Eli, sons of Belial. The, the, those, and, and Belial in the Hebrew means worthlessness. And there, there he, Shimei is calling the king of Israel David's uh, David being the man after God's own heart, a worthless man, a worthless king. And David's response here is a great reminder to us of how to bear these kind of hard things patiently. He does not, he does not want Shimei to die. Here Abishai comes up to David and he wants this man's head to roll, quite literally. He says in, at the end of... Uh, and of uh, verse nine, let me go over and I pray thee, take off his head and take off his head. Very literally, he wants him dead, and and David says, no, wait, let let him alone, let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It's not that the Lord told him to do this or commanded Shimei to do this, 
but it's that the Lord allowed this whole thing to happen. God will allow affliction to come on his children many times so that we can learn how to bear things patiently, just as the Lord himself did for us. God is wanting, he, he's saying in verse 12, it may be that the Lord will look on mine infliction and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. If I could put that in my own words, he's saying, I don't know what God's going to do. It may be that God does this. I don't know what God's plan is here, but I know God's plan is not to take things into my own hands. It may be that God just wants me to sit and to bear this patiently. The words of be still my soul come to mind. Be still my soul. The Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to your God to order and provide. In every change he faithful will remain. Be still my soul. Your best, your heavenly friend through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. And then the second verse. Be still my soul. Your God will undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Your hope, your confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul. The waves and winds still know his voice who ruled them while he lived below. And that's exactly true. God, God could speak at this moment and, and cause all the problems in your life currently to shake and to crumble and to fall down. But you know as well as I do, and even though I don't know those things in your life, God hasn't done that, or he's not allowed that to this point. But you can know that the one who commanded the winds and the waves is allowing you to bear those things patiently as Jesus Christ himself bore the cross for us. Let's look at this third thing, verse 15. David is betrayed by Ahithophel and severely wronged. Probably, just in these next few verses, is probably the one, one of the only bright things in, in this passage where Hushai does come and he asserts himself as one who can take uh, on the, the, the counsel of Ahithophel and make sure that he can, he can do that. He secures his, his allegiance, so to speak, with the king. Uh, verse 15, And Absalom and all the people, uh, the men, and all the people, the men of Israel came to Jerusalem and Ahithophel with him. And it came to pass when Hushai the Archite, David's friend, was come unto Absalom, that Hushai said unto Absalom, God save the king, God save the king. And Absalom said unto Hushai, Is this thy kindness to thy friend? Why wentest thou not with thy friend? And Hushai said unto Absalom, Nay, but whom the Lord and, and this people and the men of Israel choose, he will I, his will I be, and with him will I abide. And again, whom shall I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son, as I have served in his father's presence, so will I be in thy presence. Then said Absalom to Ahithophel, so now he turns to this very bitter older man, and he's going to ask for counsel. Give counsel among you what we shall do. And Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Go in unto thy father's concubines, which he hath left to keep the house. And all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred of thy father. Then shalt the hands of all that are with thee be strong. So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house, 
And Absalom went in unto his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. And this is exactly what Nathan the prophet said would happen in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Because of the sin of Bathsheba, David had received judgment, a promise of judgment from God. Uh, Let me just read for you 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. For For thou didst it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. And Ahithophel here told Absalom to do something that was, that was so offensive that it would eliminate any possibility of reconciliation between Absalom and David. Here, you have to think of who Ahithophel is once again. As we go into 2 Samuel chapter 23, when we get there, it will be the list of David's mighty men. And one of those mighty men is Eliam. Eliam was Bathsheba's father, as we find out in that list. But then later on, we also find out that Ahithophel was Eliam's father. And that means that Ahithophel was the grandfather to this Bathsheba who was wronged. And if, if you can, I, I don't, we don't know his heart. The Bible doesn't give us any other further details than this. But now he is doing something that is so despicable. How despicable is it? In, ancient, in the ancient uh, Jewish times in, in Israel, taking the king's concubines was not just an act of immorality. It was an act of treason. And so, so in, the, in, in this case, when, when he makes this, this happen, if Absalom was to ever humble himself, he would have to not just fess up to the sin of immorality. He would say, I'm a traitor. You can, you can go ahead and kill me. And here, he, he wants to make sure that Absalom does, is, does not only replace David, but that there's no path of reconciliation. And this act of Ahithophel shows us the power of bitterness. The power of someone's bitterness. Ahithophel was willing for all of these women to be spread out publicly and to be abused and, and for Absalom to grievously sin and the kingdom of Israel to suffer all so that his, uh, pa- his power for revenge, his thought of revenge could be uh, uh, somehow absolved. And here he, he lets this happen. He, he counsels this to happen. And the end of this chapter says that everyone, his, the counsel that he gave in those days was as if a man inquired at the oracle of God, which meant he, he was a very wise man. When people went to him for counsel, they realized it was wise and they listened. And here we find that because of this, Israel suffers greatly under, under the, the uh, small portion of time of leadership under Absalom. And all these things, all three of these things would... You would think that a man like David would just fall on his sword like Saul did at the end of of 1 Samuel, that David would crumble and fall. 
But David chose to bore his, bear his cross patiently, whether it was rightful chastisement of the Lord. We need to bear that patiently as well. When there are consequences because of our sin, God doesn't just always take those things away. Sometimes he says, no, I want you to remember where you need to turn your eyes. I, need you to, I want you to bear that chastisement, those consequences, uh, faithfully. I want you to bear them patiently. But then also, he bore the deception and the harsh, unwanted words of the people of his kingdom coming to him. He bore those patiently. God had a plan and a purpose for David. And not only that, but Jesus would one day come and set a pattern for us in these three same ways. Jesus was not in any way sinful like David was, so it's not a perfect picture. Uh, But Jesus was tempted in every point like David was and we are. Let's consider just for a moment here tonight that Jesus experienced deception. He allowed Judas to deceive him. Uh, In John chapter 13, verse 27, it says, And after the sop, Satan entered into him, that is Judas Iscariot. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. And God allowed that whole deception that was come to be where Judas was sitting there with the plan already conjured in his heart, the money already accepted, and, and he was about to, about to do something that, that, that no man would, would ever else do. He betrayed the, the Lord, the King of glory, for, for 30 pieces of silver. He was not only de- deceived for you and for me, he was cursed at for you and for me. On the cross, Matthew chapter 27, verse 39 And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads. Later on in 1 Peter, it says, 1 Peter 2, verse 23, When he was reviled, reviled not again. He didn't give it back. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Not just the fact that he was cursed at for you and for me, but he actually became the curse for you and for me. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says this, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Christ was deceived for you so that you could could experience the power of the gospel and the cross and be saved. He was cursed at for you and for me. But then he was also betrayed and wronged. If you think through his last few days before the cross, he was betrayed by Judas Iscariot in the garden. And as he was led through those different trials, he was taken by these Jewish leaders, these Jewish rulers who were supposed to be the patterns for obeying the law. And they broke their own law in order to frame the Son of God to look like a lawbreaker. And as we continue to get to know Jesus we see that he will teach us how to bear things patiently because he did it himself. He didn't say, here, do as I say, not as I do. He said, here, I've done it. Now follow my pattern. You, I've borne the cross patiently, and you can bear your cross of grief and pain patiently as well. So as we look to the Lord's table here tonight, let's ask the Lord to teach us how to bear patiently.
the cross that he's given to us. And as we look to him tonight, we can get closer to him as well. If there's anything between us and the Savior, we can examine ourselves and, and truly come back into fellowship with the Lord. Let's pray.